Hey, welcome to the podcast for Scotts Hill Baptist Church. We hope this message helps you discern what is true, what is right, and what is good. We pray that it is an encouragement for you today. We are in a series called Neighboring, and our hope is that you are inspired to reach your neighbors with the gospel. We pray that you will join God in his work of transforming the lives of the people that live around you. We conclude this series by being reminded that we need to be more than good neighbors to the people who live near us. We need to introduce them to Jesus. We need to share our testimonies, and we need to point them to the hope in Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Scotts Hill Online. We are so glad that you have joined us for this, our second week of our series called Neighboring. It's a great opportunity for us to learn how we can love our neighbors. And as we learned last week, the greatest testimony of our love is what we do with our love. And we learned last week that the way that we can do that faithfully as neighbors is by seeing our neighbors, by serving our neighbors, and by sharing with our neighbors. We also let you know that, that as we go through this series, we're going to be coming to you from various homes uh, from our pastors. And so today, I want to welcome you to my home. Come on inside. Home. What a word. I bet right now, 99% of you are watching this from a home. Whether it's your home or whether it's a member of your small group, You're watching this from a home, most likely. And home is such an important place for many of us. It's been said that home is where the heart is. And we know that that saying helps us to understand uh, that our true home is the place where we feel happiest. And for you, it might hold some great memories. Memories like the time that you brought your first child home or times where you play games or have a family meal together. Maybe it's a place where you remember the smells of your grandmother's a favorite dessert that she maybe she baked for a holiday or something like that. But home is a place where we find comfort. But what if our homes are meant to be more than the place where we feel that comfort? What if our homes are places to be places that are that are more than mere structures of comfort and security? What if God wants more from us out of our homes? I believe that God is calling us to more as it relates to our homes. I believe God desires for our homes to be gospel outposts, places that are more than just structures of comfort and security, places where we are able to minister to our community, places where we are able to engage with our neighbors with the good news of the gospel, gospel outposts that act as havens, where we are able to show others where our true joy and happiness lies and where we can invite them to experience that same joy. I remember several years ago, whenever Ashley and I moved to Kentucky, when we moved out west, uh, right after we were married, we only been married for about six months and we, and we moved out west to the big city of Louisville, Kentucky. Now. For us, it was way far out west because we had never been out of North Carolina. But we were strangers in Kentucky. We didn't know anybody, literally anybody in Kentucky. And I went there so that we could 
pursue education at Southern Seminary. And right after we had registered for our classes, we're not registered. The next step for us was to go and buy textbooks. So we went to the bookstore. And at the bookstore, after we got all our books, we were standing in line waiting to check out. And, and there was a man in front of us. And after a few minutes of standing in line, he turned around and introduced himself to us. Mark Rogers was his name. And after about five minutes of, of small talk, literally five minutes of small talk, Mark invited us to his home for dinner. He said, let me call my wife and make sure that there's a perfect time for us to have you guys over. We want you to come over to our home. Now, does this sound like a cultural norm to you? It certainly didn't for us. But here we are 15 years later, and I can still remember the feeling of what it felt like to be invited by somebody to whom I was a complete stranger to come to their home to enjoy a meal together. Now, I'm sure you've felt that experience before in some way, shape, or form, whether it's being invited over to somebody's house for dinner, or, or maybe it's when you were in the drive-thru and you got up to pay for your meal and, and someone in front of you had purchased your coffee or purchased your lunch that day. We know the feeling of being welcomed into somebody's life, being welcomed and embraced by someone who is a complete stranger to us. Now, I'm confident that God has given us, his people, ample resources to be able to reach into our community, to use our homes as gospel outposts. And I believe that there are two overarching principles that we find in God's word that help us to understand what this might look like. How we can move from the experience of what Mark Rogers gave to us and showed us in welcome as being the norm rather than the exception. The first thing that I think we see is that God has called you for a purpose. God has called you for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify Him with your whole life. Now, we can see this in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. So turn in your Bibles there, and we're going to look here just for a few moments to see how God desires for us to turn the tables in how to use our homes as gospel outposts to be faithful as neighbors. Now, the book of Leviticus, uh, for some of you, might be the, uh, the end of your read the Bible in a year plan, where you get there and then you start reading about all the laws and the regulations, and you're like, oh man, this is, this is burdensome, this is heavy, but this is so important. The book of Leviticus is so important for us to learn what it means to be the people of God. We'll see in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 through 34, where we see written, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. At the end of verse 34, God reminds the people of Israel that he is the Lord, their God. This little phrase has a huge meaning for the people of Israel. It's one that's repeated over and over and over in Leviticus 19 because it tells us something about the unique relationship that the people of Israel, the people of God, had with their God. You see, this calling, this relationship that they had was different than any other nation around them. He was their God. They were his people. And this relationship went 
further than once a week temple worship. No, this was to be a life-defining reality for the people of Israel. And we see in this that it wasn't that God began to orient his life around theirs. No, we see something very different. In fact, we see that the people of God, those who are called out of their sin and out of darkness, are to orient their lives around God's purposes, around the way that he functions in the world. Because he was their God, or rather, they were his people, their lives were to look uniquely different. They were to function differently than those of the nations around them. Their lives were to be faithful in relation to representing God among the nations. I love how G. Campbell Morgan captures this. He says, a people created and governed by God are intended to represent him and the truth concerning him to other people. Here we see for the people of Israel that this is directly connected to how they treat those around them, how they treat the strangers that they come in contact with. Why? Because of the way that God treated them when they were strangers in Egypt. The Israelites knew what it was like to be strangers. They knew what it was like for God to welcome them, for God to provide for them, for God to protect them. We see this in the New Testament as well. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You see, the reality is that we all know what it's like to be strangers. For Ashley and I, we knew what it was like to be strangers in Louisville. But for all of us, we have all at one point or another been strangers to God. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you have, you are once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, Christ welcomed us when we were strangers and he welcomed us at great cost to himself. This cost was the very life of the son of God who has died on our behalf so that we could be welcomed into the family of God. You see, Jesus came to find us. We didn't go looking for him. He came to welcome us, to embrace us, to have us in his family by his death and resurrection. What if our homes were places where we welcome strangers? Not just physically welcome them across the threshold of our doors for a meal, but where we welcome strangers to God, into the kingdom of God? What if they were gospel outposts for us as we embraced people, embraced strangers around us, where we were able to invite them in to see and understand the rest that they could have in Christ, from running from their false gods, where they could find true joy and satisfaction for their hearts? See, God has called us with a great and high calling to magnify him, to glorify him in all that we do. He has called us to be a people who reflect him to our neighbors. And for those who have been welcomed by God in Christ, we have a great responsibility now to be that kind of influence, that kind of reflection to our neighbors. You see, God has called us, those who have been gripped by his grace, by the glory of his name and by the power of the gospel to pursue one purpose in our lives, 
That's to glorify him. He hasn't called us to accumulate for ourselves shrines and museums that can never be touched. No, he has called us to live lives that are worthy of the cost that Christ has paid to welcome us into his family. He has called us to count all things as lost for the sake of knowing him. He is our God. Not only has God called you for a purpose, he has also placed you for a purpose. God has placed you for a purpose, to be his ambassador in your neighborhood. Now, we might think that for God to call us for a purpose, to set us apart, to make us look distinct, he would call us out of the world, that he would call us to to hide away, to, to go and find a place where we're not influenced or impacted by the world around us, where we can cut ourselves off from all the things that could be challenging or troublesome to us. Maybe our view of what God would call us to and the the place that he would call us to would be something like a monastery. But God in his infinite wisdom did not call us to hide away from the world. He has called us for the purpose to spend our life as ambassadors for him. He has placed you right where you are, right in the home that you are in, right in the neighborhood that you are in for a purpose. You see, the the same was true for the people of Israel. God had placed them in a specific place where he knew that strangers were going to be all around him, all around them, and they were going to have to interact with those strangers in a particular way. They were going to have to treat them like family. They were going to have to love them as themselves. They were to draw on the experience and the remembrance of God's treatment of them God's work in their lives to be a beacon of light to those who they would come in contact with. We see the same uh, and is true for each of us. And the Apostle Paul talks to us about how we are placed in specific places by God in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, where he writes this, And he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Now, friend, you did move into your neighborhood. I will agree with you on that. But over the course of history, God has moved millions and millions of specific circumstances and particular instances so that you would ever have even been born to live in the neighborhood that you live in. And do we think that this is by chance? Are you kidding me? That God is not in control of all the instances and circumstances to bring you to the exact place where you are, the exact neighborhood that you are in. God has placed you there. And in his wisdom, he didn't place me. He didn't place Pastor Phil. He didn't place one of our other pastors or missionaries in your neighborhood. The great news is that he placed you there. He put you by divine design in your house, in your neighborhood, with those around you, those neighbors who God has placed as well for you to be an ambassador, a gospel ambassador for his namesake. And when he called you and when he placed you in your neighborhood, he planned to glorify himself in the world by how you love your neighbors how you invest in your neighbors, how you welcome your neighbors. He did so as he entrusted you with your home 
and at least two ways that are even more than providing a place for your family to live and to dwell. The first way and reason that we see in Scripture that He entrusted His, your home to you, is for you to minister to the body, to minister to His body. I love Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, where Luke writes, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I love how Warren Wearsby, that great preacher and commentator, gives us a picture of what this looked like. He says, the Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for services as usual. They met daily, cared daily, won souls daily, searched the scriptures daily, and increased in number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once-a-week routine. Why? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. His resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. What an amazing testimony. The Christian faith, a day-to-day reality for them. The normal rhythm of their days included meeting together. It included studying the scriptures together. It It included praying together and encouraging each other day by day. We have a unique opportunity right now in our world with all that's going on around us to get back to a New Testament vision of what it looks like to be the church, where our homes are regular meeting places for small groups of believers to gather together, to study the word, to read it together, to pray with and for each other, to consider ways to strategically minister to our communities, and then to live on mission together. What would it look like if three or four families from our covenant faith family were to meet together, to begin meeting together in their neighborhood, to pray together, to sing together, to encourage each other, to reflect on the sermon from the week prior and and consider ways in which they can apply that more faithfully in their lives. And then strategically think about their neighbors. Think about the needs that are present in their own neighborhood, and then think about how they could meet those needs, how they could welcome others into the family. I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like our homes being gospel outposts and beacons of light in our communities. Now, not only does God call us to use our homes to minister to the body, but we also see in Scripture that God calls us to use our homes. He entrusted us our homes to make room for strangers, to make room for strangers. We see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, where Paul writes, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, I love this word hospitality. Hospitality literally means love for strangers. And whenever we see this passage in uh, Romans chapter 12, it's not just like, let me see if somebody wants to come over and kind of make a room for them, or, or if they ask me if they can come over, then I'll let them come over. No, it literally says that we are to be pursuing hospitality. You see, we're the ones, believers are the ones that are to make the opportunities, to intentionally design opportunities to reach our neighbors. 
I want to consider with you an example of some staff members that we, that we have the privilege of serving with. Uh, Christian and Kelly Baker. They're newly married, and uh, they've only been married for, for, for a short time, and yet they, they knew that they wanted to use their apartment as a missional and gospel outpost. And so uh, as they got married and moved into their apartment, they decided, let's try to meet our neighbors. And, and they did something that I think is just phenomenal. They baked dozens and dozens of cookies and they began going door to door, knocking on their neighbor's doors and saying, hey guys, we, we made some cookies. We'd like to bless, the, bless you with them and we'd like to introduce ourselves to you. We'd like for you to know who we are and we'd also like to know if there's any ways in which we can pray for you. And do you know what? There were people who actually let them pray for them. Not only that, there were, was one couple who invited them in for a time of encouragement and prayer together. And let's not forget the reality that we live in a place where hurricanes are frequent in our areas. This is a contextual opportunity for us. And and while hurricanes are not something to be celebrated, we recognize that they provide immense opportunities for us to get to know our neighbors. We can exchange information, our phone numbers and contact information, so that we can share resources as storms approach. We can share food. We can watch out for each other's property. We can help in the cleanup in aftermaths. These are fantastic ways in which we can embrace and welcome strangers. We can make room for strangers in our everyday living as we seek to be on mission with God, using our homes to minister to the body and to make make room for strangers is huge as we live out our callings in the places that God has placed us. The reality is this. As a recent survey exposes, nearly one-third of Americans are unwilling to go to church buildings. The strategy that says, if we build it, they will come, is not working. We know this from church growth statistics, that people are not coming to church buildings on a regular basis. Statistics tell us that there's a decline in church attendance. You see, now is the time for the church to go to the neighborhoods, to go to the people that are lost and without hope, to shine like beacons of hope in our community. See, I'm convinced that the first door our neighbors should enter to experience the kind of love and joy and satisfaction that can be found in Christ is not the front door to our church building. It's actually the front door to our homes. That is the place where we can, we can show them firsthand what it looks like to follow Christ, what it looks like to have Him as our Savior, and what it looks like to welcome those who are not a part of His family. See, if we combine love for brothers and sisters, ministering to the body, and love for strangers, and making place and making room for strangers, we use our homes as little pictures of what the kingdom of God is to look like. Jesus tells us that they will know that we are his disciples by how we love one another. When we use our homes to minister to each other, we can show our communities that kind of love. And whenever we invite them in to our families, when we make space for them and make room for strangers, we show the heart of the Father who has welcomed us into his family. Now, when we talk about practical strategies for how we can use our homes as gospel outposts to minister to our community and and for us to uh, make room for strangers, there there are some really 
uh, practical ways to do that. And I know that right now there might be some concerns for some of you as it relates to health and, and how to interact with people. And, and I want you to know that our family feels the same things. Uh, one of our members of our family has some health issues that is, has led us to be on the conservative side of interacting with people. And so we've had to think strategically about how we can use our home as a gospel outpost, how we can be ministers and how we too can make room for strangers. Uh, one of the best ways to do that is, is for us as a family to start in the streets, to start in the streets. And we can do that first and foremost by taking prayer walks. We can walk up and down our streets on a regular basis praying for our neighbors. And you know what the crazy thing is? That just involves you and the Lord. You can pray for people using our Bless Every Home app and you can invest in that time with them. The second thing is for you to begin conversations in the street, to begin conversations in the street. This is a great opportunity for us to get out and get to know our neighbors. Take, for instance, Miss Ruth, who is one of our neighbors and, and her dogs, Clyde and Oliver, who walk down our, through our street every single day. And she has become a, a great uh, opportunity for us to be able to encourage and to minister to her. Our kids love her and her dogs, and they get to go up to them and talk to them and encourage her uh, in her walk with the Lord. It's been a great time for us to be able to serve her and get to know her as a member of our neighborhood. Uh, the next thing that we would encourage you to do is to focus on the front yard or focus on the front porch. That's right, focus on your front porch or your front yard or your front driveway. These are great opportunities to continue being visible in your neighborhood, to see those people that are passing by, see those people that are running by and begin to encourage them. Uh, we're at a, a story of one neighborhood in Indianapolis uh, that began something that they called porching. Now, porching might sound sinister or bad, but in reality, what they were doing is every single day, they had coordinated a time with all their neighbors to come out at five o'clock in the afternoon and just for a few moments, rather than doing anything that they were doing in, in their house, come out, wave at each other, say hello, and just gen uh, exchange some general pleasantries. They said it was a great way to be able to engage with and encourage their neighbors. They said it's taken root in Indianapolis and it's happening all over the place. Uh, this is a great time for us to be in our front yards, to use our front yards strategically, rather than hiding away, as we often do, in our, uh, in our backyards, where we can find safety and security. Our front yards give us opportunities to be able to minister to and get to know our neighbors. The last place that we can find our opportunity is by turning the tables. Turning the tables. Yes, turn, turn the tables. Oftentimes we think of our dining room tables as, as a primarily just a place for us as a family to eat meals, for us to spend time together. But, but what if we turned our tables into a vehicle for outreach, for opportunities to invite people into our homes, to have a meal with them, to discuss with them things that are going on in their life, to get to know them and to get to know what's going on in their hearts and in their minds. We could use this as a great opportunity to minister to our neighbors. And I know some of you are, are maybe thinking, well, in, in my home right now is not a great time or great place. That's okay. You can utilize backyards even now uh, as it relates to inviting people and welcoming them. You can use that as a place to do cookouts or to have s'more roasts where you can invite people to be able to be in, a, in an open area, an open place, but you can also make room for strangers. I want to encourage you to take time even if that is the most suitable and comfortable area for you to have people right now, 
to begin thinking of ways to, to strategically invite people into your home. As it relates to ministering to our uh, family or to our body, ministering to the body, what are some ways or a way in which you can do that? Or in this time, you could, you could host, you could make your, fam- your home a host family for one of our small groups, small group of 10 or less people to be able to gather in your home, to pray together, to go over the Sunday sermon and, and talk about ways in which that can apply in your life even more uh, over the course of the week. This would be a great time for you to be willing to open your home to minister to the body, to have it to be a place where the body of Christ can grow, can be encouraged, and can become more like Jesus Christ. Now, over the course of time, as you invest in this, as you use the home that God has entrusted to you to be a gospel outpost, there is the possibility that things will get broken. Uh, There is the possibility that your investment is going to take a lot of your time. There is the possibility that there are gonna be some awkward moments, and if we're honest with ourselves, if we have kids and we add people that are not part of our family, I can guarantee there are going to be some funny stories that are shared. There are going to be some times where you look back and say, I cannot believe my kid said that. But as we invest in these times and as we remind ourselves that God has called us for a purpose, that God has placed us for a purpose, and and that purpose is to orient our lives around Him and to be ambassadors for His gospel. God has placed you where you are. He's entrusted you with your home. Let's put them to work. Let's put them to work ministering to the body and making room for strangers so that we can see the glory of God shine brightly in our neighborhoods. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to meeting back with you next week. And as we close our time together, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given us instruction on how to live our lives for your glory, that you've called us with that intent in mind. Thank you for entrusting to us homes and places where we can be ambassadors for your gospel. I pray that you would help us to see that our homes are more than places of security and comfort and rest. They are to be gospel outposts where your name is made known and made famous in our neighborhoods. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Scotts Hill Podcast. Thank you to those who continue to give generously to this ministry. If you want more information about Scotts Hill, how to get connected in your community, or want to know more about Jesus, visit www.scottshill.org podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. You can also share it with your friends via text message or take a screenshot and post it on your social media stories. Make sure to tag us at Scotts Hill. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.